I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Right, you lot. Settle down. Mr. Sonata's a bit late. So before the bingo... I'm going to sing for you. And this is a special favourite of mine. It's the theme tune to the Archers, Barwick Green. OK, here we go now. Oh, one, two, three, four. Hey, settle down, I said. Settle down, Mr Sonata will be on in a minute. No, you can't have the bingo, Mr Sonata. We paid good money for him. Mr. Sonata's coming. He's come all the way from Las Bloody Vegas. Now, settle down. All right, then, you can have your bloody bingo. This is Dum Dum, the show about the reality lucky drama that has centred an Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the surprise llama, that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the three-legged nag, that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part about Ambridge Hall trespass, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from Bye 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 Steve. Uh, and, and it was a good one, too. It was. Mm. If we're rating Dumpty Dums, mm-hmm. Luce, right? Number one, how do you rate them? Gold medals, one out of ten, five stars. What, what do you rate them? Uh... What would be a gradation of... Gold stars, five gold stars is a very good one, I think. Right. So, what would you give Bye 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 Steve? Three and a half. Really? Mm. Where do you think he could have improved? (laughs) (laughs) Would have improved if I'd listened to it. (laughs) (laughs) Luce, if somebody would like to better (laughs) Steve and his three and a half gold stars for a dumpy dum, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or be delighted that two bankrupt publicans have invested £1.75 and a bag of frazzles in your new venture. Then call us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on Speaky Pie P. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shed Code for sponsoring us, Shambridges for her voices and to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Derek is struggling with his tax return at the moment. It's all gone wrong because he was using a book called Teach Yourself Payroll by Diane Abbott. <laughs> uh, that, that's quite good, that there, Lucy. <laughs> well done. Well done. The Wally. <laughs> shall, shall we try and avoid politics on this week's episode of Dumpty Dum? 
Well, it's like the BBC. We have to go into Perda now, don't we? We're only allowed to play reruns of the Navy Lark and talk about the weather <laughs> because everything else gets us into trouble. Yeah, loads of things have got us into trouble. But we'll <laughs> probably come on to that later. After, uh, Are we in trouble again? Yeah, probably. Uh, oh. Yeah, but first... Who with this time? Lord Louise, who's got issues with Brookfield. Luke Harrington, who's playing grown-ups Genevieve, who says Cowgate is true to life. Bill Gallagher is disappointed in the High Court of Chancery. Cosmo, who's feeling uncovered, and Emily Thomas, who's got a plot prediction. Do you notice anything about that rundown, Lucy? No. Oh, load of new people. Oh, yes. Well, they're not, actually. Lord Louise is. Mm. Bless her, it took her three goes to... um. <laughs> to get a speak pipe to work. So we actually got three messages from you, Louise. Um, Luke Hannington's rung in before. Genevieve's rung in before. Bill Gallagher's rung in before. Yeah, but they're like... Newish. 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 Yeah, yeah, a bit like Johnny Come Lately type dum-de-dumbers. Yes, mm. yes. But it's all yeah. good for it, though. It's nice to have things a bit fresh. I know. Not saying I don't like Andrew Horn et al. and, and Witherspoon. Not saying that at all. But it's good to have some fresh ones on there, isn't it? Mm. Yep. Things can get a little bit stale. Yes. A bit like with hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I can see a kick in the nuts coming. No, yeah. I'm talking about me. I think we should advertise for a new me. What do you oh, reckon? Oh, here we go again. Oh, come no. on. I know it's a perennial, but oh. tell you what, tell you what. Let's talk about it the other side of Lucy V. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. week on the archers everything went a bit cosa nostra there was a lot of family financial dodginess going on but we started the week at rickyard where poor old toby had had a horrible dream poor little baby he dreamt he was an overprivileged no hoper with a rubbish business a depressed girlfriend and an ego the size of buenos Aires. and then he woke up and etc 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 he was sad because he had to take down the still which is officially now called the still rubbish but then things went all right again as the bull has decided to take on the investment into dead dog gin kenton wasn't sure whether to do it or not but once he saw that lily had drawn a picture of a dog it was a no-brainer which was appropriate <laughs> the cricket went terrifically wrong lily got hit on the elbow which just shows that someone on the team was probably aiming for her ass will grundy pointed out that girls were awful at cricket and then went on to point out that girls were also awful at working as it makes their eyes go baggy and their arms fall off will <laughs> you are a massive knobhead however the cricket team agreed that lily handled her bouncers very well like mother like daughter emma and nick met up in the tea rooms to discuss how sodding useless their respective husbands were in fact every time these two meet i end up thinking what a shame it is they can't just jettison the brothers grundy and go off together David went slinking over to Home Farm to tell Brian that actually it may have a little bit been Brookfield's fault. Oh, jolly good, said Brian. I will tell you to the penny how much you owe and you can fork it all over straight away and I'll count it in front of you. We are family after all. <laughs> I'm so glad we can bury the hatchet. Yes, said David through gritted teeth, wishing he could bury it right in Pip's head. Then he went off to see Bridge Farm. Tom accepted David's offer with his usual good grace and advocated sticking it to brookers, suing them, bringing them to their knees and generally screwing them over. 
because they're family. Hootie, hating to see some kind of family drama going on that she wasn't involved with, decided to plonk her size five easy fit loafers smack in the middle of it by telling Ruth that she shouldn't feel like she is feeling and that none of it had anything to do with David, which helped immensely. Lillian has spent the entire week marching around the village telling everyone how happy she is. Happy, happy, happy. Yep, completely happy. Nothing to see here. Keep moving. Pip carried on slumping around the farm. Alice, the wedding planning nuclear physicist, decided to cheer Pip up by taking her to see a smelly horse and telling her about a man trying to touch her knee. Bizarrely, this worked so successfully that Pip did not want to go home ever again, but wanted to live with Uncle Chris and Auntie Alice forever and ever. Linda has clearly pissed off Ambridge's leading mafia members as she woke to discover a field full of horses hobnobbing with her lamps. <laughs> she rushed to ring harassment, the thick head of the law. Yes, I think they're horses, he said. You need to feed them horse food and give them horse water to drink. Unless they are seahorses, then do not do that. Uh, one, uh, Alistair's worried that one of the horses has got a massive parasite problem. Is it Toby again? Matt has got a new wheeze. In fact, Matt has got more new wheezes than an asthmatic with a blocked inhaler. He's going to build a new racetrack in Costa Rica. He's dealing with lots of investors, all of whom sound honest as the day is long. Yep, no dodginess there at all. Horse racing and gambling and Costa Rica, it all sounds entirely legitimate, completely. Anyway, he's also going to fill this racetrack with horses. In fact, there are six he's already got his eye on in Linda's paddock. One of them's only got three necks <laughs> and another's got a heart condition and a gammy foot. But apart from that, there'll be a winner, Brian. Cannot fail. Jerome Weatherill. The big shot top lawyer has been nabbed by Miranda for the divorce before Justin can get a hold of him. Justin is worried that he'll emerge from the divorce court in his underpants with his knackers in a little shopping bag. This is where things got really sopranos. Mm -hmm. Pat was sent by the Bridge Farm Carpo to represent the family at Brookers. <laughs> the heads of the family met over cannoli and coffee at Brookfield while Hootie played the violin in the background. Patty the Potato turned out to be a surprisingly good negotiator by becoming shrill every time they suggested that Tony's toy cows might not be real cows. So the Archer family have finished up having to sell a kidney each to pay them off, except Ben. Ding dong! More family business over at Home Farm. Jennifer, I've had an idea that is going to please every member of the old Regino clan, said Brian. He went on to explain that he was going to give his stepson that dislikes him but works on his farm his stepdaughter that likes him but works in a different country, his non-farming astrophysicist wedding planning salesperson daughter, his other daughter who loathes mm. all commercial farming practices, and the son of the dead woman he was knocking off, one share each. But me and you, we're going to be more equal than the rest of them, Jennifer. Friends are not as important as family. Do not confuse the loyalty of friendship with the bond of blood. And tell your sister to get the fuck out of my wine fridge. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I was confused by your gangster references there. Because you said Carpo, but you meant Capo, didn't you? It's, yes. a, it's a hard A, right, on oh, that. Oh, yeah. okay, sorry. Right. And yeah. then you started to do a Russian accent. No, after... it was supposed to be Marlon Brando. Well, you fail spectacularly there then, Lucy. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you're pretty good at this stuff normally. I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep it real. <laughs> yes, it wasn't mm. very good, I know. I can't do it. I, I did have a practice earlier. I made Phil, who I work with, I made him, we were in the middle of King's Cross and I made him keep doing, <laughs> keep 
doing Marlon Brando in the Godfather impression. And mine were getting worse and worse and his were getting better and better. And he was standing there shrugging and pulling all these faces trying to do this accent. <laughs> well. Ah, yeah. Oh, well. So, last week, mm-hmm. Ambridge, overall yeah. thoughts, my dear. Got any? Um, it, it, I, bleh, it was um, a bit of a bad-tempered week all round. Kind mm. of, there, there's not, I don't understand what the hell is going on with this ponies thing, apart from... Oh, we're just getting the replacement for Bartleby, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, well, presumably that's old Jem, or whatever it's called, is mm. going to be... Um, you know, uh, picked up by Joe, but it's sort of, um, I don't know. I mean, whether it's to highlight the, I mean, because it is a, it is a problem. Horses being dumped, ponies being dumped. It does, it does genuinely happen. Um, whether or not you'd stick them in a field full of llamas, I don't know. Llamas tend to get on quite well with ponies. Um, they're quite sociable. Uh, so it's kind of all fairly sort of real, but just a bit odd, really. Mm. Um, and I think the Pip and Ruth thing is just getting weirder by the minute. Um, I think Ruth is heading towards sort of slight nervous breakdown territory. She's She seems, it's almost as if she's frightened of her own feelings about Pip. Um, you know, she's... she's well, I suppose part of her strange. unease is because she's lo- she's lost her mother and that's kind of weighing on her mind somewhat in terms of the way of which she she kind of de- deals with pip but i do i think the whole thing just feels a bit leaden if i'm being honest yes. i i don't yeah. quite get it and i know that ruth is prone to a little bit of internal melodrama you know she's not a big shouty yes. screamy i'm no, in the ball yeah. and i'm losing it type of character yeah, yeah. but she does not go on to david yeah. at times yeah yeah and so in terms well, of she that, she broods, doesn't she? She absolutely. goes up with the cows and has a nice brood all by herself. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And then confides in the nearest cowman, and then, yeah. and then look where that gets her. Yes, to Oxford. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, but I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope this is going somewhere really quite interesting uh, because we always struggle to be really invested in Ruth, don't we? As a character, yeah. we just think, yeah. oh God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you burn, you burn oven chips, you know, you kind of, you, you lack any kind of real warmth. Yeah. Uh, your children are strangers to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what good are you, woman? <laughs> I think it's interesting that David has gone completely into Brand Brookfield at the expense of, he hasn't actually said to, they haven't had a big discussion. Mm. Uh, him and Ruth about what they should do about you know just just lying and defending Pip to the hilt and not admitting her involvement and blah blah blah. He's just gone straight into um, you know um, hushing everything up to protect Bran Brookfield. Actually, at the risk of of Ruth's own sort of moral her her, her sort of moral lights. You know she does she feels deeply uncomfortable about this, and he's just gone crashing ahead. You know, she doesn't even know he's been to see half the people. He just comes home and says, right, I've just been to see Brookfield. and I've just been to see Bridge Farm and Pat's on her way. And she's like, what, what, why, 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 why? You know, it's sort of, they're supposed to be partners, but it is always David's farm. That's the, you know, that's ultimately what's going on, isn't it? Which is, which is, you know, really, really hard for her, much as I 
don't warm to the woman you know it's it's hard mm. which other female character don't you warm to can't say Kate Aldridge can't say Alice surprise us um I duh. the button girls I don't <laughs> I really don't do you know I think I don't like Jolene very much really but I don't know why really I think because she always does things in quite a roundabout way. She's never direct. She's always doing some stupid plot or other. You know, she can never just say, right, can you do this? Like that that business of inventing a girlfriend for Wayne and all that stuff. And, you know, she's kind of, she just manipulates rather than being straightforward. And that gets on my wick. Mm. She's not very Because you always say exactly what you mean immediately. Do I? I don't think I do. Well, exactly. So what oh, you don't oh, like oh. in it is... Ah, mm. you're having a right pop at me today. No, no, no. I'm just being nah, a nah, co-host. Nah. That's all I'm doing. Oh, okay. Mm. All right, then. Who do you not like, then? Um, well, you know me. I'm a fluffy buddy, so I like everybody. Rubbish. But I like some people more than others. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who uh, do you like least? Um, yeah, but, but I get kind of to use an American expression, conflicted by the fact that people who I don't like, I actually find them quite interesting. But actually, with the exception, really, of, of the character of Ruth, it has to be said. Like Josh, I actually, I actually find him quite interesting because the, I mm-hmm. think there is somewhat of a duality to him. So he does, he's re- repentant at times. You mm. know, every now and then he has this course correction, as we said last week. Um, I must admit, I just, uh, I'm glad that Helen is no longer the focus of things. Um, but I appreciate the complexity of the character. Yeah. Um, I actually quite like Toby because he's a good character. Yeah. And I think he's and I think he's quite believable. Um, but I know there's going to be people listening to this going, "Hey, hey, hey! You you yeah. like Toby? No, no, I like the character. I I, I find him entertaining and somewhat intriguing. Um, and um, who else? Whereas you know, I'm, sl- I'm going to say I'm falling out of love with the character of Kenton, but we haven't had much of him. But no. but but, but I, I did like him, but now I just think, well, you are becoming a little bit kind of 2D. And what I don't quite understand, because Jolene was always supposed to be the sensible one of the duo, wasn't she? Yeah. But she's decided to invest in this gin nonsense. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, she knows that they still owe David this cash. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm a bit like, hmm, with Jolene. Um, who do I like the most? Hmm, that's a good one. Because Fallon don't tweet me no more, so I've gone off her. Oh. Yeah. Um, you know what, Lucy? I think we should take some caller in and then I'll have okay. a proper think. Okay. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first? Oh, now, first, I need to get stricty smacky bottom, chaps. If your call goes under over two minutes, I won't play it. The end. 
Royfield would because he's very nice. And he says to me, where have half the calls gone? And I say, they're over two minutes, so we're not playing them. Cosmo, your call was four minutes long. I have had holidays shorter than that call. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Cosmo here. This week has been pretty dire in financial terms. My wife runs a very small dog-sitting business. We have to be licensed by the council and we have to be insured. We have £5 million worth of public liability insurance cover on the grounds that is the smallest amount going to cover costs of third parties if dogs escape, savage sheep, infect cattle or, more likely around here, cause a road accident. And it costs £150 or thereabouts. It would cost David a very small percentage of his turnover. I know David is half the farmer his father was, but frankly, he should have handed all this to his insurers. Most insurers these days don't argue about liability, particularly in a close-knit relationship. They know the courts won't accept denying liability, so they'll be merely arguing about the quantum, including the cows. Then there was the complete nonsense about Heather Pett's money. She left 200000 in a life policy, which is not part of the estate for tax purposes, as it would have been left directly to Ruth as the only person to whom she was leaving money. And then there was about another £300,000, mainly the house. She left everything to Ruth, so the estate would have to be worth more than 650000 before estate duties would be levied, so you don't pay tax, Ruth. And it was a lot less than that. Ruth can only put £40,000 a year in a pension. She could put more in, but you don't get tax relief, so you don't do it. And the tractor was only 20000 so there's a lot of money left. If she has bought bonds, which was the other excuse, either they can be sold, or you go to the bank and use them as security for a loan. So Ruth is talking sheer nonsense, if not actually lying to David. Meanwhile, over at Home Farm, if Brian gives away the ownership of his land into a partnership, he does not own it any longer, despite what he said. He said, precisely, that he'd still own it. Adam currently gets a profit share. The only other person getting profit share is Brian. In the new setup, he gets two thirteenths. Is that fair? Is he going to accept that? And Kate and Alice had the holiday lets as part of their inheritance. And, uh, and Kate actually lived in one for a while. So why are they getting an equal share? Brian, the currently owns all of it. He'll have three thirteenths in future. Do you really think he'll let himself be outvoted? Indeed, it would be so easy for Adam to get everyone on his side and to have the whole lot gone organic next week. It's a nightmare waiting to happen. More Dumpty Dog contributions welcomed. Let me know if something else needs adding to our website. The gist of what Cosmo was saying, which was very interesting, was why are they not claiming this on insurance? Is it because, I don't know, but is it because they didn't check that the things were certified for being not having the cow clap? But the thing is, though, right, I think Cosmo raises a really good point. The thing is with Cosmo, he speaks with such utter certainty. That you just think, well, that must be the case. And That's then, it. and it yeah. does sound incredible, <laughs> you know, it does sound incredibly obvious. I think, think to myself, why are they so broke all of a sudden when surely they'd have insurance? But I am not a farmer, so I thought maybe you can't get insurance for this type of thing. But very obviously you can. You can insure, insure anything. And then, yeah. when he, then he, when he goes on to talk about Brian 
Brian and you know and the inheritance and the shares and whatever, right? I'm on much less, uh, you know, less firm ground yeah. as you know commenting on that. But Cosmo just sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So I'm going to leave him with that one. If there is no insurance because the cows were, you know, unclean cows, yeah, right. He should have very dirty cows. Yeah, dirty, dirty cows. Should have very clearly said that because actually it makes no sense. Yeah, it makes no goddamn earthly sense. And I'm glad Cosmo brought this up, but I did think to myself when when Ruth was going, "Oh, well, we've got no money for this," and and we spent all of my inheritance. I thought, wait on a minute, didn't you get the best part of half a mil? Yeah, all right. There was the house, and there was. It's yeah. like how the hell? But then this... she said, "Oh, I put some of it in my pension, and I can't touch that for years." She said. Well, that's just crap, though, isn't it? With all yeah. due respect, uh, I know nothing about pensions. You know, I'm all I am is is a freelancer working in uh, Theresa May's Britain in 2017, right? So of course I ain't got a pension. My pension is the house that I own. That's it. Mm. However, right, even I know you can pull money out of these things. Yeah. Full stop. And anyway, should have put it in an ISA. No one has pension schemes anymore. No, well, I don't know. I don't think. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I yes. really, you know, the more I think about this, the more I realise I need Cosmo to look over my financial <laughs> doings. No, I was just thinking Cosmo. Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, Cosmo, you can give me some money for <laughs> as well. That'd be yes. great too. Give us some, then we'll do things with it, and you tell us whether yeah, that was right. Us... Or... That was exactly. a good thing or a bad thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Right, Lord Louise we have now. Hello, Lucy, Rayfield, and the greater wonderful universe of Dumpty Dummers. This is Lord Louise, and this is my third time trying so far unsuccessfully to be a first-time caller innerer. I guess I'm just going to keep trying until I either succeed or someone tells me to stop. I'm going to do my best to follow all of the rules, so here goes. Uh, I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I have a few Archer's relevant areas of expertise, uh, such as robotics, like drones, sex education, veterinary care, performing arts, and organic farming. I started listening around the time Helen and Ian had their little breakup during the Titchy Knob storyline, which makes me a baby Jack, I believe. I like to listen to Dumpty Dum while caring for my various Dumpty Mogs, and I rescue a lot of cats and would love to give the Dumpty Dum community first dibs on naming my next rescue Dumpty Mog. Something Archersy would be ideal, of course. Now, as for this week's episodes, my least favorite thing is that Susan is not on the cricket team. I am still frickin' pissed about that. Uh, her being the star of the cricket team was what made me excited enough to actually start trying to be a caller innerer, and the fact that she's not continues to piss me off. Now, my very favorite thing was on Monday when Lillian came in and just started pushing every single one of Brian's buttons, just like the boss that she is, and just listening to his laugh get weaker and weaker as she continued like she was leeching power out of him to fuel her happiness. It was a total high-five moment for Lillian, and also, I think it may have contributed to him being willing to sit down and listen to Matt's lies in spite of his family loyalty. One last thing, I do predict that Jim may be a pony to replace Bartleby. Possible? Maybe. All right, that is all. My two minutes are up. You guys are all the best. Thank you, and rock and roll. 
in lovely Boston. And I, yes, that's a very good idea, being a baby Jack. And then people can avoid being a Titchener. Because last week we had somebody who was a Titchener and didn't want to be a Titchener. So we said we'd make up another name. But so, yes, we'll, we'll pretend that that person is a baby Jack. And you could be a baby Jack, too. I did love the vortex of infinite unlikability. Yes, the whole of the Brookfield lot are heading into the vortex of infinite unlikability. I agree. Um. Uh, oh, now we have. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was the next? I was thinking of Lord Louise, right? Mm-hmm. And strictly speaking, you can't have such such a nomenclature, can you? Lord yeah. Louise, right? Yeah. What was that lord somewhere down in the southwest? Was it Lord Somerset or the Duke of Somerset? You always go around wearing dresses. There's some listener that will know this. There is one lord who just flouts every kind of social convention, doesn't give a rat's ass. And I've got Lord Bath on the brain, but that's the one that has loads of wives, isn't it? So it's not yeah, actually yeah. him. But there's somebody he wears, in the... He wears caftan things. He doesn't mm. wear dresses. No, no, no. There's one who just like walks around in a dress, doesn't care. Ah. And he's, and he's a, an aristo. Better, mm. better than the likes of you and I. Oh. Cut from better cloth. Blue-blooded even. <laughs> anyway, if somebody could uh, email in, tweet in. Yes. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you. Uh, Claire Asprey. Hi Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. Um, I've got thoughts on IBR, on brilliant women and on awful men. So on IBR, my plot prediction is that based on the fact I don't think that Ruth and David know that Ed knows about the cows, at some point in the near future, Ed's going to be in the bull or somewhere with Tom or Tony or Brian and they'll mention that uh, Brookfield are play, paying full compensation based on some new information and Ed will quite casually say oh they mentioned to you about putting the cows out then um, and then all hell will break loose because uh, then David will feel like an idiot so they'll all fall out with Pip again and so the saga will continue. Brilliant women I've always been a big fan of Nick even though a lot of people don't like her and I thought her scene with Emma this week was really well done and I've got a lot of respect for her. I think um, I'm really pleased that Nick and Emma have a direct line of com- for communication. Uh, and it's only through that and the two of them working as a team that there's any hope for the next generation of hapless Archer um, Grundy men, so far as I can tell. I personally would love to see Nick decide that she wants to do a few nights in the chicken shed with Emma and they cement their friendship and entirely upset Will as well. And then Will and Ed maybe will finally have something in common that they both hate their wives working at the chicken factory. But I don't think that's going to happen. But nice to see them talking. Uh, Finally, that brings us on to the subject of useless men. And goodness me, what a competition hotly um, contested this week between Will Grundy and uh, Matt Crawford and uh, Tom Archer for well, arsehole of the week, maybe, or annoying man of the week. Um, I give the prize to Will Grundy because he was just so presumptuous and he talks down to Emma so badly. 
Um, she's every right to get rattled by it. Um, he's got such a superior sound to him. I mean, he's really getting on my nerves. So um, he's my enemy of the week. So keep up the good work. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Yes, that's a very good point. David and Ruth don't know that Ed knows. Mm. But I was trying to think, why would it, it all kick off? Oh, because, yes. Well, as long as David doesn't blame Ed for not saying anything, because Ed presumed that Ruth, that Pip had told David, and I'm getting very muddled here, Ed presumed that Pip had told David and Ruth way before she actually did, didn't he? Because every time he saw her, he kept sort of saying, so are you going to tell them soon? And she'd go, yeah, 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 yeah. And he did sort of believe her, I think. Um, yes, lovely, lovely, lovely to hear Nick back. Nick is the voice of reason. She is far too good for Will Grundy. She should, she should, and Emma is too good for Ed. They really should, just, both of them, they should just chuck the well, bloke. Well, yeah, I just think Ed's having a bit of a dip at the moment. I wouldn't say Emma is way too good for Ed, but Eddie's being a bit crappy at the moment. But yeah. And I have said this before, way back three years ago when we first started doing this podcast. But I just think Nick Grundy, right, considering she gave George a slap around the chops, yeah. it's all been forgiven and forgotten, hasn't it? Yeah. Whereas if, that, if, if the gender roles had been the other way around and she'd been a bloke, yeah. ooh, it'd be a yeah. little minor titchner. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to riff on this for a little bit, all right? But I remember once seeing this interview with some, uh, with some comedian, American guy, and his surname was Hitler. And he said he was trying to reclaim the surname Hitler. Do you think Titchener, the surname Titchener, is going the similar way in, in, in middle class, middle England? I think so. So if you were called somebody Titchener, you would change your surname? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the connotations now you can't be a radio fool listening you know member of uh middle england and have that surname now people but I, I bet you people are changing their name by but what color. would be better is mm. if you were called titchener and had never listened to the archers didn't care didn't know anything about it mm. but you came into contact with somebody who was and then you know at the bank or whatever and they said a surname and you said titchener you could imagine got a what <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> Oh. be awful though you wouldn't know why people were mm. giving you this you know cold peculiar... shoulder yeah yeah mm. well, hey i tell you what just keeping this going lucy all right uh, so i've got a little penchant as as they say for wearing yeah well <laughs> i i think that I bit heard. of my anatomy you can shush right up you can <laughs> But I have a little bit of a of liking for uh, motorcycle T-shirts. So I've got a Triumph one and a BSA one. Right. Right. And it's all part because they're good British. Like, I don't even care about motorbikes. Good British brands from yesteryear. And, you know, it's when Britain British was British Leyland one, if you like. Oh, uh, they, they didn't do motorbikes. No. Anyway, my point did, is this. Rubbish. Anyway, yes, carry on. Uh, I was um, in a cafe Mm -hmm. in in the bay area a couple of weeks ago yes. all right and this woman said excuse me sir she's serving me excuse me sir. is that a trump t-shirt and i looked down triumph she could see the oh and i went no she went thank god for that and then started smiling she was not happy i'm not saying she wasn't going to serve me but she just a look on her face she had and noticed you were black didn't she <laughs> 
I that mean, makes it. I, don't, Listen, I think you'd have been the only person, the only black man in America wearing a Trump Well, t-shirt. no, have you seen, have seen any of those Trump rallies? They always get one ethnic uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. behind him. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> just saying. But no, be careful, folks, if you're wearing a Triumph motorcycle t-shirt around in America, that people can see all of the letters. Triumph. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, who's next? Uh, Luke Hannington is next. Hello, everybody. This is Luke here in California. How are you doing? I'm just calling to say how pleased I am to see modeled on our favorite show, adult people having difficult conversations well. I'm thinking of Justin talking to his future mother-in-law without it becoming silly, uh, being very grown up and, uh, and forthright. Very good. And Pip and Ruth, and indeed Jill and Ruth. Those conversations were difficult, but it didn't turn silly, soapy, and dopey. It was all grown-up people having rational conversations. It's a nice thing to see modelled, I think. Um, that's all I wanted to say. Oh, and um, Pip's great in every way, and everyone, anyone who disagrees is going to have to talk to me. That's all. Have a nice time. See you later. Bye. Yes, it was all rather grown-up, wasn't it? I did think... The thing is with Jill, she's sort of well-meaning, but she doesn't time it very well. Her need to say something is 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 in direct is in inverse proportion to the person wanting to hear it. That's the problem. <laughs> I think the two very rarely coincide. Somebody wanting to hear something and Jill then saying it. Um, yes, it was it was t- quite a tough conversation to have to say that. She, but I mean, Jill's been disappointed in all her children, and who can blame the woman? You know, they haven't they haven't. <laughs> covered themselves in glory all the time but nobody does do they um no elizabeth's done well for herself all things considered what throwing her husband off the roof probably yes no one well knows, no really. that was jill's other of... other child yeah. that was david <laughs> she's you know but i mean she has been in despair about all of them at one time or another um but isn't that just a natural state of being a yes. mother yes absolutely and she's just sort of trying but the way she did it, I think she almost kind of, um, you know, revved up Ruth a bit, sort of saying, yes, it's awful when you feel disappointed in your child, isn't it? And, you know, Pitt made a mistake. And, and the, the biggest mistake was not owning up. But, you know, everybody's done it. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it seems to just be a tremendously awful thing for, for, for Ruth. And she's really got to just get past it or she's going to absolutely wreck her relationship with her because she just keeps backing Pip into a corner and not giving her a way back, which is, you know, it's just very dangerous, it's a dangerous thing to do. It's a big gamble to take with your own child. Mm. Um, it's Genevieve now. Hi, it's Genevieve, Genya17 on Twitter. I'm calling in about Cowgate. I can't say I like the family fracturing, stress, and the inability for certain characters named Ruth to pump the brakes a little, but I do like it because of how well done it is, and actually downright the same as what I've experienced in my own life. I've done multi-generational farming with my grandparents, and this kind of stuff is so true to life. All the name-calling and the threatening and the saying things you don't mean and the fact that you're going to hear the slivers of the story for the next 50 years is so faithful to farming. You all live in each other's hair and you never get a break and the tension never really goes away unless people make a real faithful effort to let things go. 
and not hang on to these grudges that in Calgate are going to color how they see each other forever, especially if they can't stop grinding their axes. But it's the archer, so it's bound to get worse before it gets better. It's certainly not easy listening, but it is so accurate to arguments I heard on the farm, but it's also a good way to know where you stand in the pecking order. But someone else at some point is going to do another really stupid thing, and then Pip won't be on top of that list, and things will shake out, and Brookfield's course will correct itself. Reminds me of the story of the two wolves. The one that thrives is the one you feed. Ruth needs to stop growing Pip's sins into something that gets bigger and more unforgivable every time we hear from her, and the same goes for Pip's self-loathing. My plot predictions are, I feel like Pip will get driven straight into Toby and she won't be able to get out. His gin business will thrive and he'll have the cash for Pip's portion of the costs. I do feel like both Tom and Ruth will do something really stupid but won't figure out how to make amends, which with their own anger will make it some other sort of mess and the storyline will grow from there. Perhaps even Josh may take a turn at mending the fence between his mom and his sister because it may take a giant swimming pool of lemon drizzle for this to blow over. Take care. Talk to you soon. This was beautifully articulated by Genevieve. Yes, it is an excellent way of seeing the pecking order. Absolutely. And what's happened is before the crisis, before the cow clap, we had three (laughs) farmers of equal standing. We had David, Ruth and Pip. And now we've got David rushing around in command Ruth trailing along behind feeling terrible and and Pip absolutely nowhere. She slid right down. I think she's below Ben the doorbell now. I mean, she's really, really kind of slithered down the uh, the greasy pole um, in terms of uh, Brookfield abilities and the responsibility that she's going to be given. You know, it's they've they've got to, they've really got to go some now to to allow her to prove herself again. And I don't think she's going to be able to do it at Brookfield. I think she's going to leave. But you know what, though? Because they're never going to trust her again, are they? Loose. Right. What? I think Pip is getting a little too, a little bit of too much of, the, of this. She's getting it in the neck, you know, and it's slightly yeah. unfair. Yes. Because which dunder fool, you know, to me. Yeah, that's a new word I've just coined. <laughs> dunder fool. Like right. <laughs> bought the cows untested. Yeah. And whacked them in his herd. Yeah. That weren't that that weren't Pip. No. And Ruth knew that they weren't tested as well. Yeah. So she let it slip too. Yeah. 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 You know, so all this cow clap, right? Should have just been really just localized to Brookfield. Yeah. Yes. But it was David that brought the clap to Ambridge. And it was Ben that knocked the fence down. Mm-hmm. And then it was Josh. It was Josh, and Josh didn't fix it when Pip asked him to. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's become a bit of a it's a bit it's like sort of Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker now. It's become a bit of a kind of a a head to head battle, and you're not exactly sure what they're fighting about. No, because one's one's uh, they both got the force, but one's using it for evil intent. <laughs> That's what they're fighting about. <laughs> Are we talking about <laughs> Ruth and Pip? I, I think it's it, it, there. Just seems to be a lot of um, Ruth had a hell of a lot invested in Pip, and she could see Pip 
for some reason, she maybe just the gender thing. She recognized in Pip more of her than she does in Ben and Josh. And, you know, she, she's taken it so incredibly personally mm. that Pip's lied to her and whether or not it's a, it's a, it's a recognition that Pip's now her own woman, that she's not under Ruth's control anymore, whether it's the fact that it sort of coincided with the time around the miscarriage and everything, you know, when Kirsty had the miscarriage and we were reminded that Ruth had had one and whether or not she's starting to think now, you know, she's now, becoming the generation that you know it's she's now becoming the generation above pip is the next generation and she's feeling slightly you know she's sort of grieving her youth or something i don't know but uh yeah don't know so i'll shut up because i don't know it's bill gallagher now i really think if you're doing a podcast about the archers you should know yeah you should have opinions on everything it can be wrong Mine frequently are. Just saying. Well, I do have an opinion, but I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Mm. And it's not Gallagher, it's Gallagher. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> Hello, Lucy and Royfield. Uh, Bill Gallagher here. Can I call you Lou Field in future or Royce? That would save me a couple of syllables. Anyway, um, Bill Gallagher, as I say, uh, occasional caller in era. Um, I don't think I've mentioned before how long I've been listening. I started listening regularly uh, in the early noughties, I think, and I, I think I'm probably a, um, a Siobhan in terms of uh, new characters, um, although I had listened on and off since the 80s. I can remember Kathy Perks having an affair with a policeman when she was married to Sid. I can remember Sharon and baby Kylie living in the caravan, but I don't remember John dying, which would have been just after that, so um, I assume I wasn't listening very regularly at that point. But um, anyway, I just wanted to phone in with a couple of points. Um, I was quite disappointed that the uh, legal difficulties between the the, uh, the Archer's clans were resolved quite so easily. I was hoping for a bit of uh, John Dice and John Dice stretching into the uh, into the future and the costs eating both farms and leaving the whole lot of them destitute. I thought that would have been quite uh, quite amusing. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention was it's not my not my original thought actually. It was somebody on um, Twitter. Um, came up with a, a good plot prediction the other week, which I couldn't, I can't help but recycle. So I don't think anyone's mentioned it on the podcast so far. And that is that the reason, or one of the things that's going to happen with Matt um, in, in the near future is that he will discover that um, Justin hushed up the whole Culvert Gates uh, business and um, will make uh, make use of that for uh, causing causing a mischief between uh, between Justin and the and the and the community. I think I think that was all. Uh, I've enjoyed the podcast very much. I've been listening since about episode twenty, I think, and uh, that, that's that's great. Thank you very much. Yes, I was also thinking John Dice and John Dice, the, the old legal thing carrying on and on and on, and the fog descending, and um, but it would have been very boring radio um, because will things and legal things all are will. Matt discover that Justin cushed up Culvert Gate. That would be quite exciting. I would like that a lot. Um, because Matt will, in his kind of airy, oh, didn't you know, sort of way, just drop it into the conversation, won't he? That's, you know, he's very good at that. Um, also, what was I thinking when you said the legal difficulty was obviously... I loved, 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 loved that scene where Brian and Jennifer were sitting, <laughs> were sitting around the dinner table saying, 
I've had an idea about what to do with our many millions of pounds, Jennifer. Hey, yes, Brian, what should we do? Well, I think we'll give one to them and one to them and two to them and one to them and three to us. Oh, that sounds marvellous. Even the, no one's going to complain about that, are they? <laughs> and you just think, do you not listen to the archers? Do you not know what happens <laughs> when there is a will? There is Armageddon every single time. It's spark. I mean, Peggy's will is a constant source of conflict and she's not even bloody dead. You know, it's endless. It just really amused me that they were having this. Yes, well, nothing can possibly go wrong now, can it? And it is like, you know, setting fire to uh, an armament museum. You know, you just think, oh, God, how can you be so ignorant and just think that this is all going to be fine? Of course it's not. <sighs> oh, um, who have we got now? Oh, Emily Thomas. Emily tries, but misunderstands. Hi, Royfield and Lucy and everyone out there in Dumpty Dum land. This is Emily Thomas, 73. Now that I'm not the au pair from Paris, I really don't know what to call myself. So um, any suggestions for Dumpty Dum nicknames, please do send them along to my Twitter feed. Um, or we'll start a poll on Dumpty Dum or something. <clears throat> no more lectures about bees from me, but I just wanted to give a little plot prediction. Um, obviously, what with the covering of the vaccines for all the different herds and replacing Tony's cattle, I think that um, Ruth and David are probably going to come to the decision that they have to sell Rickyard Cottage um, to cover all these costs. And I think it's going to put Pip and Toby out on their ear, obviously, and they're going to have to find somewhere to live. I know Yoko Bear's talked about housing crisis for for rural, because of rural poverty but there's also you know i fall into the mid-20s bracket and there is a real crisis for young people under 20s trying to get on the housing market and um you know it is very difficult and i think it's going to put a lot of strain on their relationship and i think perhaps you know toby as we've discovered in the last week or so doesn't like it when he's not the center of attention and he doesn't like it when you know, life's good, not good. And um, he seems to enjoy a very cushy lifestyle for not much work. And I think once they're out of the lovely Rickyard Cottage and actually trying to find somewhere that they can afford on their income, bear in mind that he's not actually got a proper income yet and he still owes Pip a lot of money as well, I think it's going to give them a lot of strain and stress and on the relationship. And I don't know that he'll stick around if he's not living in the style to which he's become accustomed. But, um, yeah, that's just my plot prediction. Um, thanks, and bye. Yes, will Toby stick around when him and Pip are living in Bert's wheelie bin? This is a very <laughs> good question. Yes, I think they probably will sell Rickyard, won't they? But who would buy it? Who do we know? That would be a neat way of uh, introducing new characters into the Archers, wouldn't it? Because, you know, there are, there are a lack of properties. Yep. Unless you just invent another one around the green. Like, that's what they generally do, isn't it? Mm. Number 146, the green. What? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, uh, Yeah. Well, they've got two, I suppose. I mean, that's the only asset they've got that they can shift easily, isn't it? Mm. But still, this is bonkers, right? Yeah, I, it I, is. It's just, come on. 
it's almost like they wanted some they needed a conflict so they just sort of thought you know what what should we do what should we do and they they i don't know it just feels a bit cobbled together at the last minute but maybe i'm being uh, or at least you know for this for me to make any form of sense what you need is ruth saying david i told you we should have got that insurance policy last year there's you know there's got to be something because it just doesn't ring true no you know i play you know hard loose and fast with my finances and with my, my general safety um ad nauseum right but these are sensible people these are farmers for god's sake yeah yeah you know david's a proper grown-up and, and why Pip, do you, and think, far- why do you think farmers are more sensible than you? well no because they are passing on they're custodians of the land and they're always passing it on and they're conscious of the fact that they are um in yesterday's episode was it yesterday's or sunday's but anyway one that we shouldn't really be talking about um adam says to ian in 50 i'm almost 50 in approximately 15 years time i will be retiring 15 years is nothing in farming yeah now 15 years in the internet is like a thousand years right you cannot conceive in my line of work what the future will hold in 15 years time you know 15 years hence from now there was no facebook there was no youtube there was no nothing right it was completely different farming in 15 years time is still practically 99 percent it's going to be really the same yeah 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 you know yeah so by by definition you're a more conservative person if you go into farming i'm not to say you can't be a crazy farmer of course you can but generally you're going to be more conservative you're going to be um more steady you are going to have things like insurance i'm sorry or at least be aware that you screwed up through a lack of insurance, which should be reflected in the script. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm somebody who I'm looking 50 square on in the face and I don't have an occupational pension because um, I've never really had the financial wherefore to put a whole load of money aside. You know, yeah. my pension is my house. And that is very common for people like me who work contract to contract, blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. it's the so, gig economy and all exactly. that. Exactly. So that mm. type of nonsense, a, a big mm. disaster where I've got to owe somebody thousands and thousands of pounds and there's no insurance. That happens to people like me, not people like David yeah. Archer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also that that tractor going going kaplunk and them having to um to fix that as well, and that cost twenty grand or the last bit of my mother's money, as Ruth said. Um, you know, and you sort of think, well, that would be insured as well, wouldn't it? I don't know. The whole thing don't make no sense. Yeah. You know, as I said, the only way you can forgive this is if somebody said, as an aside, we really should have had some yeah. insurance. And then you go, <laughs> and you go, well, okay, at least you're admitting to the fact there's a massive plot hole here. You know? <laughs> oh, yes. If that, if I'm going to laugh my head off if they say that next week. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult not to. Oh, oh, and that is the end of the callers. Awesome. We got any email or us? No. Good heavens. Why not? Don't know. They've all been busy. Well, your email been bust this week or something. No. Hmm. What, you haven't sent me any of you? No. Was I supposed to? 
Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. I, there is one. Oh, but it was from ages ago. Well, have we Jan read it Mitchell. out? Sorry. Can I do it? Yeah, go on. Okay. Um, Jan from Cannes. This is... Um, Toby Fairbrother, I don't trust him at all. Am I the only one who remembers Toby saying very early on, and she's paraphrasing, she says, it doesn't really matter which of us gets Pip, what matters is getting our hands on the land. I felt a chill then, and I'm wondering if others feel the same, or has he turned a corner and is sincerely in love with Pip, land or no land? And finally, she is, based on Lillian's comment that she is staying put at the Dower House, I predict that soon she'll be leaving on a jet plane to Nicaragua with Matt. It's the way she told Brian that she was settling in with Justin that made me wonder. I do hope I'm wrong because I've grown to like Justin as a person and I think she deserves him. Mm. Isn't, uh, Justin's a wrong one, right? Though he genuinely does like our Lillian. That, that I'll give him that. Do you, still, do, you, do you still really distrust... Justin. Yeah, and I'm presuming that things will come out in, in this divorce. And it's the way that he went around the whole Rob thing and Charlie Thomas. He he is a bastard. And you can be very good in business without deliberately employing um, men that have no attachments who absolutely are your your agent of evil you know to use the star you do the use the star wars analogy um he is El for palpatine and and he wanted to employ a darth vader he did yeah. and that's exactly yeah. what they are you know yeah and then and then he can hide behind it all yeah stuff and he was very naked about that with the way that he dealt with rob he knew what rob was as was accused of doing and against lillian's wishes still employed him they're yeah. saying, you know, he's raped my niece, right? Yeah. You know, and yeah. still employed him, etc., etc. So, nah, you know, don't be fooled by Justin. However, does he love Lillian? I'll say absolutely yes, because if ever somebody had opportunity to go off with a much younger model, sportier model, it's going to be Justin, because you know he's he he leaves that type of life. Yeah. You know? So, true feelings for Lillian. Yes. Is he a, is he a right one? Nah. But he's not as dodgy as Matt, that's all. And, and, because, and because of the plumminess of the accent, you know, mm. we say, well, oh, no, he's a proper businessman, blah, mm. blah, blah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. True that. Mm. Isn't it? All right. Shall we, uh, shall we break now then? Yeah. This week on Walkie Talkie, folks, Lucy spoke to a lovely lady from Halifax. But there's a little bit more to her life than just Halifax. Hey, hey. Also, uh, what did I spoke to the town planner of Birmingham? See the difference there? Lucy speaks to interesting <laughs> people and I speak to nerds on my show, Friday 15. See the other side, folks. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we'll come back with some tip-top social media dum-de-dum slash archers action. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And... Awesome, yeah. Um, for me, I... Well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to, to win in the end is that, for me, it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years, and I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, if your dogs get on, you tend to just you say, which way are you going, can I come with you? And you just sort of amble along, and you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations. Partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front, so there's no embarrassing eye contact. If things get a bit heavy, if someone starts talking about something that they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, oh, I can never have another one and then in a couple of months time they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them and um, we've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start. It's a lovely way to start your morning. It never fails to give me something something nice to think about, something interesting to think about even if it's not nice and having a dog is a sort of a, a universality really. The people aren't all like me as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series. 
Leading up to the 1860 election, in walks a gentleman by the name of Abraham Lincoln, who is the Republican candidate. The Republicans to the South represent the ending of slavery. And Lincoln, despite the fact that his sentiment was always in the beginning to preserve the Union rather than to abolish slavery, becomes the lightning rod of anti-Southern sentiment. And he ends up winning the election in 1860 with no support from the South. The Guardian, Manchester, Tuesday, November 20th, 1860. Summary of news, foreign. The details respecting the presidential election furnished by the New York journalist, not complete, but they not only assure us of Mr. Lincoln's election, but show that the Republican Party has obtained far more than the requisite number of votes for his return. It is calculated that New York, Pennsylvania, the New England states, New Jersey, and the Northwestern states give him 171 electoral votes, or 19 more than the majority required for the election, the total number of electoral votes being 303. It is not improbable, too, that this majority may be further swelled by the result of the elections in the Pacific states of Oregon and California. We have no account of the manner in which the Southerners have received the intelligence of Mr. Lincoln's election. The next advices will no doubt be filled with fierce Southern declamations and protest, but it is not very likely that any Southern states will do anything mere than talk loudly about succession. Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes from Washington to Obama. 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. debate on uh, Facebook this week. Let's start with our first discussion, which was about old Tom, who used to be a twonk, then he went overseas, then you, Tom, came back, and he was really kind and understanding, but we think that old Tom returned this week. And uh, we had a big discussion about that. Heidi Griffith said, don't really know old Tom, really started listening when the non-wedding of the year was being planned. But why didn't Tony tell Tom to back off? Does Pat and Tony still own Bridge Farm? It was my understanding that they did, and Helen and Tom just run it. The way Tom was talking to Tony was downright rude and disrespectful. After all the soft soaping that Tony and Pat have put up with from both Tom and Helen, a bit of consideration wouldn't go amiss. And a really interesting response was from Darren Shepherd, who is not in fact a shepherd but a dairy farmer, and he's been holding this in for weeks apparently. This is all in capital letters, so he's really cross. Why wasn't your herd already vaccinated? It's a highly contagious disease that's easily spread, and you have God knows how many people coming onto your farm with a shot that could bring it onto your farm. You are just as responsible as David, and your shoddy attitude to biosecurity is just as poor. Time to mention the time you lost your organic status, not checking paperwork correctly on what feed you were buying. 
really good. It's great to hear from an expert and a very, very good point. So on the same vein, um, I had a question for the um, animal specialist. With stock owners keen to minimise minimize infection, surely dumped animals on the land need to be removed as soon as possible to reduce contact with their own stock. So I wonder why does this law not allow you to do this? Because Linda said that by law she had to have the animals, those ponies, on her land for four days. And I asked if anybody could shed any light on that. Because to me, that was a real contradiction. Sarah Passingham said at the very least, having mentioned parasites, I'd have thought Alistair would have suggested getting them wormed and defleed, whatever, to minimise the risk of spreading to the llamas or contaminating the field. Corral them to keep them separate. Laura Jo Elzinger then said, but who pays for that? And apparently it's just not clear. So the animal welfare aspect is obviously very well protected, but as a as a stock owner, uh, to me there seem to be some holes there. Uh, we also had a long discussion about the return of some of our loved characters, including Usha and Matt um, and Nick, and we're going to start a petition to get uh, Kathy and Mike and some others returned to us um, who are still missing in action. Uh, we also discussed the fact that uh, Usha had given excellent advice and it might be too late. And, uh, of course, all the indicators were heading that way towards the end of the week. We also had a discussion about whether we thought Justin's divorce was ever going to go smoothly. Uh, there, there was a real uh, uh, discussion over that. I had suggested that no one should move because no one should be putting their hands up. And Terry Gardner said, arms glued to sides. But Louise Norton has her hands up high. So we'll wait and see. I think this one's still going to play out. We also need the Ambridge Ferry immediately so that Ruth and David can find the money they need because this is getting serious. Janice Pope said their heads will hit the £7 million roof above their heads when they find out Kenton has invested the money he still owes them in Toby's gin folly. Francesca Iannacone says, I like where this is going. David needing the money back from Kenton, therefore thwarting Toby's junior empire, and it'll be Pip's fault. Awesome. Lizzie Coles is something very interesting, though, and I don't know if she's also one of our experts, but she said, I think it would have been cheaper to be sued. I'm not sure a court would give the compensation on the hobby cattle that is such an excellent point and um, I'd really love to know if that's true we have any legal advisors out there and then we were also discussing what could go wrong with Brian's suggestion uh, of divvying the family uh, that farm up between the family and uh, the suggestions include the fact that Kate will sell her share and that Brian's going to use Rory's vote and just before I go just to let you know that we have posted up the latest Walkie Talkie podcast link. So from me to you, have a great fortnight. I'll leave you in Yoko Bear's um, capable hands for next week. But until then, keep active on Facebook and hooroo! Thank you for that, Millie Bell, our queen of all things upside down at Antipodean. Uh, Lucy, can yes. you now hit us straight between the eyes, just like David did with that sling on, on old Goliath? right between the eyes with some hashtag the archers tweets of the week um karen field has uh, delivered possibly the most archers tweet i've ever read Ooh. nick's been gone for so long i've forgotten why i don't like her <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh and that's not tweet of the week no wow 
Ah, uh, John Reed had Rex saying, I saw Pip in the yard yesterday. Her milkshake brought me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremy Peake said, genius. don't fret, Justin. Miranda wants Tamara, but she's prepared to leave you the Borsetshire slipwear. <laughs> that is all he's going to end up with, isn't it? Um, Kerry Warbis said, Will and Toby, double bubble on the twant front right there. <laughs> <laughs> The twunt front had made me laugh a lot. And Goddess Diva, our favourite Goddess Diva, uh, tweet is Tweet of the Week. week. Oh, she's never had that accolade before, has she? I don't think she has, no. She's, I have to do, you have to bear with me for this. Right. Tom, 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 come here. No, closer, closer. Puts lips to ear. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> No, it's not. That's what an not. idiot. Actually, try, you know, trying to... What about bloody solidarity in farming? And, you know, every, everybody in the Archer seems to have forgotten that any of them have ever made a mistake. Mm. But you know what, though, right? Fast forwarding on a day or two. And I did think this, right? But Tom does actually explain. Helen does say to him, doesn't she? You know, you've gone up, you know, why is this affected you so much? Yeah. And he says, because I've got now. Yeah. Apart from this farm, I've got now. Don't have a partner. Don't have any kids. Um, you know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well. Mm. Just saying. Yes. Right then. He's still a knob. Right. Next. What's next? Uh, the end, basically. Oh, okay. Bye. Favourite part of the show. Well, we have to do a little bit of housekeeping before oh, okay. we actually fully draw up the drawbridge, so to speak. Right. And I say something like, Lucy, yeah. are you coming along to the Dumpty Dum Whiskey Meetup when on is it? Friday the 12th at the Lord Wargrave? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to check my diary. Well, you've always said that you were coming. Have I? Yes. Yes, but I often say I'm going to things and then don't. So typical of you. Well, anyway, yep. folks, we are having myself, uh, Cosmo, um, Freya, Emily Baker, uh, and whoever else wants to come, a meet at the Lord Wargrave pub, which is 40 to 42 Brendan Street in Marleybone in London. Is it Naked Fingers going? I thought Naked well, Fingers was going. Well, Naked Fingers was going, right? Mm-hmm. But stupidly... And I don't know if this was me. It was probably me. But initially, the date was the 11th. And Naked Fingers was all over that because he likes a good whiskey. Yeah. I then looked at the calendar about two weeks ago and said, hold on a minute. Right. Because at the moment, I'm not in London. You know, I'm 100 miles up the road. Right. Um, The 11th is a Thursday. It should be on a Friday to make it easier for everyone all round. I then... uh, moved it to a friday which is what i always thought it was but whatever and then naked fingers uh sent me uh an email type dm thing and says oh i've got a school reunion so you're gonna oh. have to dm him and hook up with naked fingers uh all by yourself there lucy sorry okay. right but I, I, hang on what i'm not hooking up with what are you talking about i meant in a friendly oh, eternal type of way right. not in oh. a come on right yes anyway uh, so the Lord Wargrave pub. Now, um, I'm just saying seven, seven till late, to be honest with you. 
because um, I presume that some people, if they can make it at all, will probably come, come straight after work. It's yes. not obligatory that you drink whiskey, but that's what I'm going to be drinking. I will buy people whiskeys. People can buy me whiskeys. It'll be awesome. It is Friday, the 12th of May, the Lord Wargrave pub. There you go. Dumdydum.com, folks. Um, I'll, you know what I'm going to do, Lise? What? I'm going to put a note about the whiskey meetup on dumdydum.com because that's, that's what it's idea. there for. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. awesome for things yes. like that. Yes. The thing is, I'm going to say besmirched, right? Besmirched <laughs> is completely the wrong word, but it's filled chock a bloody block of dumdy dogs at the moment because Cosmo is obviously uh, looking for uh, for other things to do with his time, and whilst he's looking for them, he's putting dumdy dogs on there. So if you've got a dog that somehow sometime someplace has actually been within earshot of either dum dum or the archers uh take a pic of your dog uh, and whack it either on uh the facebook page or onto uh twitter and then cosmo will do his cosmo-ness on it and whack it on our website and it'll be a dum dog i don't know when he's going to come on to the mogs speak to him about that tractor oh now, Tractor, folks, is where you pin yourself to a map of the world, and we all know how I love a map. And hopefully, wherever you are, you might be in Siberia, or you might be in Sydney, or you might be in uh, Sao Paulo. And hopefully, there's another dum de dum listening Archers fan uh, close by, and then you can communicate via social media and meet and have a coffee. Talk about all things Borsitcher maps, folks. You are sending me in maps like there's no tomorrow. And celebrating Adam is the most bonkers of sending in maps. And I don't think celebrating Adam is actually one map of the week, Lucy. But Luce, mm-hmm. I know you love a map. You do love a map, don't you? you oh, you're, getting to, you're starting to like a map. You're appreciating People have started them. now doing impressions of my reactions to maps on Twitter. <laughs> I've noticed it. It's quite funny. <laughs> Now, this week I had about 10 maps sent to me. Oh, and then one sent actually on on dumdydum.com, which is a map of Napoleon's retreat throughout Europe, which is always a tasty one. And it's always Marshal Ney and his rearguard action is always what the, uh, the Penguin history books always say about the retreat from Moscow. But thank you for that map. It was awesome. But celebrating Adam, who sends at least two, if not three a week into me, your one map of the week. Guess what this is a map of, Lucy? Um, black pudding. Very close. And that, you're only saying that because I actually told you at the start, before the start of the show, <laughs> what it was. It's a map of pies. Right, I'm going to test your UK <gasps> map geography. Where do you get a macaroni pie? Scotland. Bloody hell, well done. Right, according to this, the highlands of Scotland. Where do you get a balti pie? Um, boo, Balti pie, Balti pie. Yeah. Well, it's got to be your neck, Birmingham. Yeah. Neck of the woods. Yeah. How about a fidget pie? That sounds Lancashire. Lancashire. Fidget. What's uh, in it? What well, is a fidget? Exactly. Pie? It doesn't say. So if you know what's in a fidget pie, please please email us, tweet us, or DM us. Um, that's kind of Shropshire way. How about oggies? Welsh, it's got to be. Well done. All right. How about a full English, full English pasty? Cornwall. No. Devon. Well, I'm going to give you that. It's called, according to this, it's slap over Dorset, but I'm going to give you okay. that. All right. 
This is a good game, this. How about a rasher pudding? Right. Hmm? You do know you pasted the map into um, the script, so I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you dingbat. <laughs> I thought you'd been spot on the money. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how long I could keep it going for before you realised, and I suddenly realised we're going to go through the entire list unless I stop you. Well, I was going to stop on the next one. But yeah, yeah, there's a fundamental flaw say, a in this quiz. pudding sounds lovely. It does. It Doesn't does. it? Yum. Lamb's right, tail folks. pie sounds disgusting. It does. Um, here's one for the listeners then. No Googling, and this is just for fun. What was that show which kept on saying, we gave a quiz <laughs> question, said, but it's just for fun? I'm right. chasing us for money, just for fun. I can't remember. Where's Three, a hand two, pie one. come from? A hand pie. There you go. A hand pie? Mm. You can't say because you know you're looking at the map. Yeah. All right. There you go, good listener. Hand pies are a delicacy of some part of this United Kingdom. If the rates, things are going, won't be united for too much longer. But if you vote for Brexit, it's your fault. Just saying. Uh, Right. Now, if you'd like to keep our little show on the road, folks, there are a couple of ways this can be done. You can donate by hitting the donate button on our website. And a few people do that. And I think we thanked them last week, the last people, yes. people who donated for the last few weeks. But you know what we forgot, Lucy? What? The Patreons. Yeah, people... Nobody's called Kirsten Hamill shit. I know who <laughs> it is. I know who it is. And actually, Hamill shit is a... a a family name. I um, can't say that. You're going to have to say the red ones. Cause it's I can't her family that. name and actually it got changed at Ellis Island. <laughs> so it, it, there, there, there were actually, there were actually Hamill shits and uh, the Ellis Island <laughs> officer told her great grandfather to change it to Hamilton. Right. So it's a bit of an in-joke. Okay. But it is actually a historical family name from Norway. <laughs> right. So, um, first off, people on Patreon we'd like to thank are... Apparently, Kirsten Hamelshit. Jennifer Reber. Kate Pemberton. Luke Hannington. Amy Ross. Steve McGowan. Stephen Simpson. Doug Point. Yokel Bear. Angela. Uh, Eileen Hampton. Genevieve Gorski-Parker. Martine. Helen. Alison Fye. Rachel Thomas. Norman Driscoll. Hello, Norman. Sarah Humphreys Sarah Harding Ooh, Ron Wood. I wouldn't have had her down as an Archer's listener but there we go Bronwyn Wood Claire Howard She once eyed me up you know I was in a Claire bar Howard? No, Sarah Harding No I was too shy Hush, Her shy to she eye spent a, lot of, a lot of time pissed didn't she mm, Yeah I was too shy just to walk up to her and say hello But anyway moving swiftly on Have you said Claire Howard? Yeah. Anne Charles. Guy Middleton. Rachel Tolhurst. Tracy Chevin. Candida Beeching. David Martin. Magic at Mongo's. Morgan Johnson. Hello, Morgan. This is great. I'm getting all the people I know. Andy Bent. Scott Matthewman. Jean Rose. Bernadette Maguire. Laura S. Silver Girl. Sarah Amanda Hydes. Rosie Taylor. Barbara Wiseman. Jan Mitchell. Scott Pilgrim. Simon Pilgrim. Oh, God. Scott Pilgrim was the film. <laughs> He was. 
It's one of those films that's critically acclaimed, but it kind of slightly missed the spot for me. Have you ever watched Scott oh. Pilgrim? No. Hmm. It's got that interesting actor with the curly hair whose name I forget, who's always in those American indie films. Kind of youngish bloke that looks too young to, to be playing a, an adult, but actually is a proper grown-up. Someone will know who he is. But it's a good film, but I didn't think it was that good. Simon Pilgrim. Claire Steep. And James Moores. Now, folks, this show is just Lucy and I prattling on about stuff and me trying to shoehorn history and maps into it uh, at any juncture. And pies, unless you get in contact with us. Now, to get in contact with us, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our site, or you call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a telephonic message if your website's up the fritz. On the fritz. Michael Sierra. There you go. That's him. That's him. Yeah. It's a great actor. Hmm. Good kind of indie character actor. Never a romantic lead per se. No. Unconventional looking slightly. Is it on the fritz, not up the fritz? Are you definitively telling me on the fritz? Right, okay. Thank you. On social media, specifically Twitter, you can find us where we are at Dumdum. I am at Royfield. And I am not. That's rubbish. You're still on there. No, I am not on Roy- at Royfield. <laughs> um, I am. Yes, I keep. It's like the mafia. I keep leaving and they keep pulling me back in. Um, but I'm trying not to read my apps now. Mm. So that's yes. All right. And Harriet, the woman of a thousand voices, is at, at Shambridges. On yeah. Facebook, you can join the Millie Bear and Yokel Bear show by simply typing in Dumb D Dumb. That's D U M T W E D U M. And then you just join all the Facebook fun that goes on there. It's ridiculously like vibrant, and people are saying stuff, and it's funny, and they're commenting on stuff. And fundamentally, it's all about the archers, but with a comic twist. It's very, it's very good like that. It's a bit like Dumby Dum. Distilled, but on Facebook, Lucy. Mm. Who would have thought of such a thing, eh? <laughs> Taking a comic turn out of the arches. Who would have thought it? Who would have you! thunk it? Yay! And on that note, um, the last thing I've got to say is the bloody forum on dumbydum.com's dying a death. I need somebody to volunteer and to say, I'm going to whip this mumma jammer into shape. And what it means, folks, is that you need to post like a couple of messages a week and if somebody responds, you need to respond to sweet. I can't do it because I'm a functioning dyslexic, but there's got to be some smart, erudite person out there that's got a little bit of time on their hands and just loves all things archers. So if you are that said person, uh, please uh, email me, DM me, and we'll sort you out um, proper privileges on that and we've got to keep it going because um, there are some great messages and great threads on there, and we can't let it die. <sighs> now, Lucy, it's the time where I say um, anything you'd like to say, any Parthian shots, so to speak. Um, only Liz Anderson has made me laugh on the Twitters today. It's nothing to do with the archers, but she said about that Diane Ad- Abbott interview, she said, if I'd been Diane Abbott in that LBC interview, I think I'd have pretended to faint and hoped someone would carry me out of the studio. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> ah, dear. I was going to say she's your local MP, but she's not. She's Harringay, not Walthamstow. She's close to you, though, isn't she? She is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
I don't know how I feel about all that shower anymore, you know. Shower. Yeah. Absolute shower. And, uh, and that's exactly what I'm calling them as well. Shower. I don't know who to vote for, Lucy. It's horrid. I anyway. know. I know. Mm. Anyway, folks, let's hope, hope... I'm going to spoil my ballot paper by shoving it up Jeremy Corbyn's nose. <laughs> and then really? hitting him over the end of it. Yes. Mm. Stupid man. Right then, Lucy, on that note, I'm going to say toodaloo. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We haven't got out we need to talk about, have we, Lucy? No. All right. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Maron from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's my mum with her dramatic entrance. Oh, <coughs> oh gosh. Coughing her guts up. You know, don't oh. mind me. I'm just losing a <laughs> lung. <laughs>